Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. The Michael Reed Show podcast. Tune in weekdays from 9 on LMFM. To contact us, email now. Michael at LMFM.ie Tuesday morning, the 15th of January. Good morning with much debate and discussion from now till 11am. This is Michael Reed on LMFM. We begin our show this morning with politics or what has become the only issue on the political agenda, Brexit. On the 23rd of June 2016, the people of the United Kingdom voted to leave the European Union. Brexit is to happen on the 31st of March this year. Tedious as it has been, the Brexit debate on whether the UK and Europe can agree a deal on how the divorce will happen may have a profound impact on our lives. Today, that debate will come to a head when MPs in Westminster will vote on Theresa May's draft. D-Day, May Day or No Way Day, it seems, as the deal is set to be rejected by as many as 200 MPs. Elaine Lachlan, political correspondent with the Irish Examiner, is on the line to talk to us about this. And a very good morning to Elaine, and thanks for joining us. Undoubtedly, all the focus will be on Westminster this evening, when the meaningful vote will be put to MPs, along with a large number of amendments. Uh, But it's going to be a busy day here as well, with the Cabinet meeting before the resumption of the doll for the new political term. But again, the subject and the only subject that will be concentrated on is Brexit. Mm-hmm. Well, as you said, it's a really critical day over in Westminster today where Theresa May is facing that vote. And we're in the unique situation where if she is defeated by around 100 votes, she'd probably see that as a positive because she's facing the possibility of losing this vote, as you said already, by up to 200 mm-hmm. Uh votes and we would never have thought uh, a couple of months ago, six or eight months ago, that losing such a significant vote by around 100 uh, would be seen as, well not a victory obviously, but uh, the best, worst scenario for the Prime Minister. But equally it'll be a significant day over here, as you said, it's the first day back after Christmas for the TDs Um, we have that important cabinet meeting where discussions around contingencies uh, will be trashed out. And we are in the unique situation here that that for the first time the government is now de- dependent on another parliament in another jurisdiction across the Irish Sea um, on, to set the, the agenda for the Dáil in the coming months. So they're not relying on, on whatever policies they want to get 
through and want to get past, but relying on another government and what the the actions of of that uh, of that parliament. We aren't prepared, it would seem, and uh, probably not surprisingly so, because you can't prepare for the unknown, and that is what we're looking into uh, as we speak. And uh, the Taoiseach uh, said yesterday to that Fine Gael, thinking uh, that uh, we aren't fully prepared, uh, but we're trying to deal with it as we go. And part of that will be this legislation that the government will discuss at this Cabinet meeting today, which will look at at how we will deal with uh, no-deal Brexit. And just to put that into context, there's some uh, very important issues uh, to do with uh, breast milk and medicines uh, and things like that but it could be as simple as getting a train because we've the uh, Belfast Enterprise uh, train the Belfast to Dublin Enterprise train uh, that may come into, come into question as a result of this mm-hmm. Well if there is a no deal and a crash out of the EU from Britain's uh, side of things every aspect of our economy of our society will be impacted and we will be the most impacted country in Europe. I think everybody knows that at this stage but as you said, yep uh, transports, ports, airports, customs officials uh, increasing the amount of customs officials because obviously we'll need uh, increased checks um, of goods coming and going uh, from the island if that does happen. So all of that will be discussed at Cabinet today. Minister Shane Ross is to bring a detailed uh, memo on uh, the transport issue and logistics um, and planning for a no-deal Brexit when it comes to transport um, today. So that will be legislation that could be passed. But the government are also in a sticky position on this because we know March the end of March is the deadline, Mm. but they want to leave it as close as possible to that deadline to give Theresa May uh, and her government the opportunity to maybe strike a deal with the EU. Um, And they're also thinking there's not much point um, and it could be dangerous as well to to show your hand in advance um, and and that could jeopardise any sort of a deal if they did roll ahead with all this emergency legislation and try to get it passed. So while they will be discussing it at Cabinet, they will be leaving it as close as possible to that March deadline to put through the Dáil and Shannon. Um, so there, it's a bit of a gamble mm. and it's, it's a bit of a juggle for the government at this point in time. Theresa May told Westminster yesterday, as uh, she uh, did uh, in December, that this could lead to a united Ireland. Uh, what kind of uh, debate are we going to be hearing today? Are we going to be hearing calls uh, for a border poll? Or are we going to be hearing calls for an assurance uh, that the backstop is not up for negotiation? Mm-hmm. Well, the, the issue of the border poll ha- has been raised since 2016, since the, the referendum um, outcome came to pass. And Sinn Féin, for obvious reasons, have been the main people who've been calling for a border poll, saying that this is the opportunity. Um, government, including the Taoiseach, have completely ruled it out. And, and I know Tánish and Foreign Affairs Minister Simon Coveney last week said that the two should not be placed in the one uh, discussion, that they're separate issues. Now, on the other hand, we have seen members of government, such as Satisha, come out in the past and say that he expects a border poll um, and would like to see United Ireland in his lifetime. Now, he is uh, a young enough man. He's, he's, he's turning 40 soon. So whether that's in the coming years or the coming decades, mm. we'll have to see. But certainly they're very wary on the government side anyway of putting a border poll in the same discussion as Brexit. And they're, they're worried that tensions are already uh, running slightly higher than usual as a result of Brexit and bringing the, dis- 
the, the issue of a border poll and United Ireland into that could make things even you know, more fraught um, in Northern Ireland. All right. Uh, do you think we'll go to bed any wiser tonight uh, than we are this morning? Well, we'll certainly have the outcome of, of that vote in Westminster. We'll know just um, how much trouble Theresa May is in and uh, it is widely expected now that that will be mm. uh, defeated. Uh, she will then be given three days to come up with a plan B. Now, given that um, her own government and the EU have been in discussions for almost two years on the best solution for uh, Britain's exit of the EU, I don't know how she's going to come up with a, a plan B in three days uh, mm. that that could satisfy both the, the British Parliament and the EU. Uh, so we'll have to see. It's, it's certainly a, a moving target at this stage. And I, I think this uh, debate is uh, scheduled to conclude around nine o'clock this evening and Mrs May is expected to make a, a statement following uh, the result uh, in terms of what she hopes to do next. Uh, assuming uh, she is defeated, uh, she may ask MPs to vote on it again next week. Yes, of course, that could be her plan B. She could easily come back and say, well, plan B is there is no plan B because we have been hammering this out with EU negotiators. She's had her team in Brussels um, for almost two years now. Uh, So she possibly could say that. She could come back and say, well, plan B is we stay in the EU, which would just be a a devastating proposal for the Brexiteers. Um, Or else, go with a no deal and and try weather the storm that would come with that eventuality. Uh, But all three propositions are are stark and worrying, for especially for Ireland um, and what may happen. Jeremy Corbyn, of course, uh, will be pushing for a general election. He will. He came out, he was on the Andrew Marr show on Sunday, uh, the BBC show, and had said that he will... uh, he has the, the vote of no confidence in Theresa May up his sleeve and he will be pushing that soon. Now, uh, when, what soon means um, and wh- whether he wants to actually go to a general election, you have to remember that Labour Party, which he uh, leads in the UK, are also very much split mm-hmm. on this issue. Uh, so it, it, it may not be something that he actually wants to do while he may threaten it, whether he follows through with it. Uh, we will have to wait and see. As I said, nothing is certain in all of this. Uh, things in the UK change on an hourly basis. Um, so you may see that vote come or that, uh, you know, pressing of a motion of no confidence in Theresa May very soon. Or it may be just a tactic being deployed by the opposition at this stage. Uh, and there are many, many amendments uh, expected tonight. MPs might propose their own plan B or C or D or whatever it is at this stage. Uh, there's a, an amendment uh, from a Tory MP uh, which will... Uh, hope that people will accept the deal without the backstop. Uh, Hilary Benn of uh, the Labour Party is proposing uh, that under no circumstance uh, the United Kingdom will crash out of uh, the European Union. The SNP are uh, suggesting uh, that uh, Brexit would be paused and uh, there is of course uh, the Liberal Democrats proposal for a second referendum. Mm-hmm. And all of them are interesting, but you wonder where they're actually going to go, especially the pausing of Article 50. It has been bandied about, especially in the British press, mm. that, you know, Theresa May could just ask for an extension of Article 50 and, and, and ask the EU to delay the March deadline, um, perhaps six, eight months down the road. Now, while it's been, you know, described in very simplistic terms, 
um, by members of the media and indeed mm. politicians that it's just something that you go, you ask and you receive. That may not be the case when, when, when and if Theresa May were to take that uh, decision because any extension of Article 50 would have to be um, signed off on by all 27 members of the EU and quite simply while we are very concerned and probably would be very happy to get that extension if it meant um, a, a proper and you know I suppose an orderly Brexit is the term they're using a lot of the other EU 27 don't really care about Brexit as much as other issues, such as the migrant crisis. I'm thinking a lot mm. of the uh, Eastern uh, European countries who are seeing thousands, if not uh, hundreds of thousands of, of migrants. So that's a bigger issue for them. And really, they just want a, a Brexit done and dusted so they can get back to EU matters and they can get back to talking and making decisions um, for the EU. And does that mean uh, that uh, the backstop might be taken off uh, the table because uh, Europe has undoubtedly stood four square behind Ireland in relation to this insurance policy Uh, but you'll hear some British MPs suggest that this will have a negative impact on the economies across Europe. It's not as important to them as it is to Mm. the Irish and when it comes to the crunch uh, they'll uh, change their mind and uh, like any good negotiation change their position. Mm-hmm. Well, you would you would fear that, but the fact that the EU, um, Donald Tusk, Michel Barnier, have stood four square behind Ireland on this issue, they seem to be uh, more vehement, nearly than Ireland, that the backstop is critical and is not for, up for negotiation. That they cannot come up with an, an alternative deal without the backstop. Um, that is the issue. That's that, that's. That's the issue as well that we have over in Westminster, except it's the opposite, that all Brexiteers don't seem to see any point in having a backstop. They believe that they can just leave it, uh, leave the EU without a backstop. But I, at this point, I think the EU have backed us so far on the issue of the backstop in protecting Northern Ireland, in protecting the border, the Good Friday Agreement, and all that comes with that, that I would be very, very uh, surprised if there was any movement on that from the EU's point of view, despite what, it, what uh, Britain may want. Okay, uh, apart from Brexit, which will not just uh, dominate uh, today, undoubtedly it'll dominate uh, the discourse over the coming weeks, months and possibly years uh, for that matter. Yeah, uh, what else is to, to watch out uh, as the new political term gets underway? The doll will sit for the first time this year at 2 o'clock uh, today. Uh, Fine Gael yeah. held its thinking yesterday. Carbon tax uh, seems to be a big issue and uh, the Taoiseach uh, doesn't appear to be leading by example, according to your article in the Irish Examiner today. Yeah, well, the Taoiseach uh, had held that parliamentary party meeting, a special meeting in a Dublin hotel uh, yesterday to gather the troops ahead of the first Dáil uh, sitting today. And he did. He was asked about carbon because climate change was one of the key topics that was discussed amongst members of Fine Gael yesterday. And it was asked what he was personally doing uh, to help the environment and to lower his carbon emissions. And he said that he is, he has tried to reduce his consumption of meat. Now, he did also say that that was for health reasons as well as environmental reasons. So you wonder uh, which one was uh, which one came first, I suppose. Um, he did say, you know, the fact that he travels a lot as Taoiseach, he can't get out of that. And we all know that flying is, is very bad for the environment. It's, it's one of the, a big carbon emitter. But he did as well ask his own ministerial colleagues that if they're considering changing their car, 
it should be to electric or hybrid, um, a more eco-friendly model. Um, and also mentioned, you know, there is a, a large public fleet of vehicles, whether it's the Gardaí, the HSC, um, and, you know, we also have the bus service looking at perhaps changing those over to, to more uh, sustainable, eco-friendly um alternatives such as you know your electric cars or your hybrids okay perhaps uh, he'll be asked uh, uh, about uh, his own behavior and uh, how he's hoping to impact positively on uh, climate change uh, he may also be asked about vicky Phelan and uh, mm-hmm. cervical cancer uh, and indeed uh, his trip to ethiopia and what has proved to be very controversy uh, at that monastery uh, where some female uh, officials had to stand outside yes this was the actually the last um, item on his agenda when he he went on that African trip so it was the very last place that he visited just before getting back on a plane back to Ireland um, and it it was a, a, a religious building that uh, doesn't let females attend so there were a number of officials um, the ambassador uh, his own ambassador that was uh, I suppose showing him around weren't allowed in and I think it was just a single female journalist that happened to be on that trip uh, weren't let in. So there's questions raised around it. And also there were a number of um, events in the US, male-only events that ministers attended as well, which are also being discussed now as to whether it was appropriate that ministers, Irish ministers, should go over and attend those. And as well, whether the Taoiseach did ask questions before he attended um, this church, whether he questioned if his officials could get in, um, or perhaps whether he should have taken a stance and said no while it may be appropriate in your country it's not the way we do things you know we're we're an equal nation or we claim to be equal mm-hmm. anyway um and maybe he should have decided not to take part in that part of the trip okay well it's back to the cut and thrust of it all today elaine and uh, thanks for joining us uh, in advance and uh, for your time with us this morning as well elaine lachlan political correspondent with the irish examiner Michael, Michael Reed on, on LMFM. Now we'll talk once again about uh, Francis Black's Occupied uh, Territories Bill, which has passed uh, through uh, the Shannon and is uh, to be introduced uh, to the Dáil uh, by Niall Collins, uh, who told us recently that he'll have uh, the support of all opposition parties, but not of Fine Gael. Some independent ministers may vote uh, in favour of this. Uh, we're joined by Sean Farrell, uh, who is is from Longwood and is the head of Trocra's International Division. Sean, whereabouts are you at the moment? I'm actually north of Haifa. I was in the West Bank yesterday, so I'm actually travelling into Israel at the moment. Okay, so you're familiar with uh, the territories that we're talking about? Yeah, very familiar. So spent um, a lot of time on this visit in the West Bank and particularly in Jenin Refugee Camp, which is a refugee camp um, in the northern West Bank, but very familiar of the occupied territories in general and Gaza, Michael. All right. Uh, and tell us about uh, the conditions uh, that refugees in Jenin endure. Well, I think there's, a, there's an underlying cause, and then there's a recent cause to a lot of the suffering that's happening right across the West Bank, including Jenin. The underlying cause, of course, is that all of the West Bank has been occupied for 50 years. Economically, that has been an absolutely disaster for, for Palestinians. 
And the other thing is that we've seen the Israeli settlements continue at a huge pace into the West Bank, depriving Palestinians of land, access to land, etc. So that's the underlying cause. Mm. What we've seen in the last um, year and a half uh, is also the Trump administration cuts, particularly to UN agencies and to others working on the ground. And we could really see the impact of that in Janine. You know, in, in education systems, in systems, you know, we miss school uh, children in schools where there just isn't enough money now to pay for the, all the teachers that teach these children. So I think the impact of these costs is having a huge effect on the lives of ordinary people right across the West Bank. I was talking to the organisations we work with, work with in Gaza yesterday, and there again, you know, Gaza is in a humanitarian crisis. Half the population of Gaza working age are unemployed and 80% of that population in Gaza rely on um, aid in order to live. So these cuts were brutal and are having a huge uh, impact on the lives of people and I saw a lot of that in Geneva. And the settlements considered... Uh, to uh, be illegal occupations, uh, there's an international consensus on that. Yes, yeah, so what Francis Blacks, which you mentioned, the Occupied Territories Bill, essentially would try and do is to ban the import of goods produced in settlements that are illegal under international law. So Ireland as a country, the European Union and the United Nations have all articulated clearly that settlements are in violation of international law and are an obstacle to peace in the long term. So as Trocra, we believe that position to be completely consistent. And then why um, Senator Black's bill is so important in the Senate and will go to the door is that if this is the stance of Ireland, of the EU and the United Nations, then what we don't really... Um, understand is that if we are saying that these settlements are illegal under international law, then we, we cannot simply condemn them as illegal and then support them economically. And that's essentially what the impact of this would, would mean. Uh, is it premature or is it premature in the minds of, of people who would hope uh, that negotiations would take place on a, a two-state solution? Well, I think it's not premature effort to do the thing, but here on the ground, like the negotiations around the Tuesday solution, this is about not taking sides, uh, not taking the side of Israel or the side of Palestinians. This is about upholding international law. The settlements have had a massive impact on the economy of Palestinians. Uh, 42% of land of what is the West Bank is now under the influence and control of settlements. And it is very hard to see how a solution will be possible um, considering the presence and huge impact that these settlements are having. But uh, as you uh, said yourself, uh, the uh, Israelis have uh, the support of the American administration and don't believe uh, that these occupations are illegal. Uh, if that is the case, how is it not taking sides against Israel? Well, for us, and speaking about and speaking about the bill, this is 
about upholding international law. Investments are declared by the EU, by the Irish government, and by the United Nations as illegal. If that is our stance, then we believe trading economically with them is incoherent as a policy. And it is simply following through that policy. So we believe the bill is a really, really good move. Ireland will be the first country in Europe to do this, and others are often with interest. The other thing that I would say is that there's been huge interest in the bill right across the West Bank. There's been massive discussion in the organisations that we work with here across the West Bank and in Israel. And it's also just interesting to note that a lot of prominent Israelis who do care for Israel's future and seek reconciliation between Israelis and Palestinians also support this bill. Former ambassadors, former MPs, but those who are interested in peace and reconciliation who want to see um, peace and reconciliation right across this season, who want to see an end to the fighting. When I was in Janine, I think one of the hardest mm. things to listen to is the stories of young people who are clearly traumatized as a result of the ongoing um, presence of the Israeli army and the constant fighting between Palestinian youth and the Israeli army. And we met young people who are clearly traumatized from things like, you know, the knife raids, the use of uh, stun grenades, the use of live ammunition in built-up areas. So I think all of these things need to be on the table. And we believe this still is, is, a, is a contributor to helping a little bit of momentum that we can build towards peace. Okay, Sean, you're a, a long way from your home in Longwood, County Mead, as we can hear from the poor quality. Indeed, Michael, that's that's very true. Yeah, no, but I was just going to say, as we can hear from the poor quality of uh, the phone line as you speak to us from close to the West Bank, and our apologies to our listeners for the quality of that line. I'm sure uh, they will bear with us uh, because uh, it's uh, very valuable to hear the contribution from the ground there. But if we were to ban the import of goods from the occupied territories here by law, what would that mean? The Attorney General has advised the government that that would not be enforceable? Well, that is debatable. Um, and we understand that um, former Attorney General Ireland has a different view. So do a number of, of international experts on law and on trade. Like what it would essentially mean is that there is a mechanism within the European Union that would, that would essentially um, judge uh, that bill under the European Court of Justice. So there are mechanisms. What we, what we believe is that Ireland should do the right thing, that we should pass this bill into law. We should recognise that we cannot simply, by words, continually condemn settlements and then support settlements economically. Mm. But the, the, the big question, I think, Sean, uh, uh, sorry for cutting across you, and there is a, a delay in the line, yeah. which uh, doesn't help. But uh, the big question is, how do you identify what produce is coming from the occupied territories? Well, there's already a number of instruments in place that can do that. So there, there, there are a number of instruments in other countries that are in place where, where, the European, where European countries can. For example, Denmark has done it where goods have to be labelled as to where their origin is. So it is possible. We know that trade with, uh, with a rough estimation of trade with settlements in the occupied territories. And it would simply mean there would be work to be done to identify that, of course. 
but it would simply mean that we as a country would ensure that on our shelves, in our supermarkets and in our shops, that there would be no badges um, from settlement that are illegal and are essentially the private Palestinians of land where they should be living and should be producing crops and should be should be um, starting the basis of their own economy in terms of a, a possible Palestinian state. Okay, Sean, I have to leave it there, but thank you indeed uh, for taking our long-distance call this morning. It's much appreciated. That's uh, Sean Farrell from Longwood County Meath, who's head of Trocra's International Division, speaking to us uh, there from close to the West Bank. Michael Reed on LMFM. Now let's uh, talk about uh, the copyright of uh, the national anthem, something uh, that uh, Senator Mark Daly has been talking about uh, for some time. He's Finna Falls, Shannon's deputy group leader and spokesperson for foreign affairs and on the line to talk uh, about this bill, which you introduced a, a number of years ago, which would protect the national anthem. Yeah, the National Anthem fell out of copyright on the 1st of January 2013 and I've been working with my doll colleagues Declan Brannock and Thomas Byrne and Shane Castles on this piece of legislation and the government promised that they would bring in measures to protect the National Anthem from use in advertising and to date they have failed to do so. So what we did was we did a Shannon public consultation uh, in relation to the National Anthem in 2017 and published the report in 2018. And a number of interesting things came out of that. Um, The majority of people want to protect the National Anthem as it currently is. The majority feel that it should not be used in advertising. It has been used in advertising already by Brady's Ham, among others, including Dunn Stores have used the National Anthem. And people feel that that's inappropriate use of one of our key national symbols. I think one of the other things that came out of the public consultation of the National Anthem was the fact that we did not have a National Anthem for the deaf community. And Alan Newstead, who was a deaf student in Bishopstown Community mm. School, came before the Shannon Public Consultation Committee and through an interpreter pointed out that for the 50,000 members of the deaf community, there was no National Anthem for them no official version by the state. So I tasked Alan and the members of the deaf community to come up with an official version that they all agreed on. uh, And it was performed for the first time uh, during the launch of the report uh, by the Public Consultation Committee in the Shannon. And the second performance was on All-Ireland Sunday in Croke Park, where it was performed with the Arcane Boys Band in front of the 82,000 uh, members who were lucky enough to be at the All-Ireland final. It's and not the I first time that the song was interpreted, interpreted though, because uh, it is an English song, isn't it? Yeah, the original, the National Anthem is 110 years old this year, but of course it was originally written in English, the soldier song. And the other reason we're bringing forward this piece of legislation is that when we were doing the research in relation to the history of the National Anthem, we found out that, in fact, the Irish language version, Aura on the Vian, which was translated uh, by uh, Pather, uh, Pather Carney, wrote the original version, and Neil O'Ring uh, translated into Irish. He um, did that uh, not long after the 1916 rising. In fact, it was sung inside in the GPO just prior to the evacuation in English, though. 
because the translation had not been done until uh, we estimate about uh, 1917-18 was when the translation was done but the original version 110 years ago was written in English but the Irish language version was never translated in fact in the history of the National Anthem at one stage we had two National Anthems uh, one uh, was Let Air and Remember uh, which was sung uh, by our Olympic team in 1924 in Paris and then the soldier song was the one being played at home but then the cabinet eventually said look the National Anthem is the soldier song but never adopted the wording of Oran Levine. And so you, that's you, what you, this legislation would do, but it would also prevent people from using it or would require them to apply to the Department of Finance if they wanted to use it in advertising, and it would be up to the department um, to make a decision on that. Now, there's no restriction on use for, for musicians in any way, shape, or form, um, but it, I think it is important. Like the flag and like the harp, the harp is protected by a patent placed on this by mm. the state and the national national flag is also enshrined in the constitution and has protocols around it uh, and what we also found out in the, sh- the public consultation is that there was no one defining set of protocols for the national anthem and that has been done and uh, was produced as part of the report. Alright uh, and you support uh, the continuance of this song as our national anthem. I think you've made that clear to us in the past. Uh, there's no question about it being a relic of the past uh, old hatta as such when we talk about mid-cannons roar and the rifles peal will chant a soldier's song. When you think of Brexit today uh, and out yonder waits the Saxon foe and we're impatient for the coming fight. Yeah, the National Anthem Public Consultations process was about looking at our National Anthem as it is now. And we found that, you know, there is huge support, over 80% of people support the National Anthem as it currently is. And I suppose the National Anthem is a symbol of struggle against adversity, overcoming enormous odds. And as I said, it was sung in the GPO prior to the uh, prior to the evacuation of the GPO. And it, it is part of what we are. And you know, it's it's not about the the actual wording in itself, but it's the symbolism of of the the national anthem and where we have come from as a people. And I think that's what we need to recognise, and that it is one of the three key key symbols of the state, along with the, the harp, which is obviously symbolic of our music tradition and heritage, and the flag, which is a symbol of peace between the communities on this island, which is something we all cherish and support. So I think in terms of its 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 meaning and it's worth mm. in the current context it's about who we are as a people where we've come from but also what we hope to achieve in the future Alright and uh, you'll be reintroducing this to the Shannon uh, apologies I introduced you at the outset as uh, the deputy group leader of Fianna Fáil in the Shannon uh, but uh, you were sacked from that position I understand I think reassigned would be the way to put it in, to be more politically correct about it but anyway I'm still working on all the issues along with my Dáil colleagues uh, and will continue to work on this important piece of legislation along with other pieces mm. of legislation but I think one of the key wait, wait, things wait, wait, about doing the public legislate- consultation was that by doing the public consultation and putting it out to the members of the public, we got feedback on things that we didn't actually even contemplate. You know, and one of the recommendations that we put forward, and there was five recommendations, was that a phonetic version should be put together, and we've worked on that with, with universities, so that people who didn't learn 
Irish in school, the members of the Irish overseas and the diaspora, uh, those who are the new Irish, um, when they receive their passport, that the phonetic version would be included in the passport. Because in fact, to date, um, prior to the public consultation, the only official recognition of the national anthem by the state was in the passport. So the musical notes of our national anthem are actually in the pages of the National Anthem, when people look at their passport, mm. they'll see musical notes going from the beginning to the end of the, the passport, and that actually is the National Anthem. And I think that's a very appropriate way of it being recognised by the state, but a more formal recognition in legislation uh, would is, I think, the way we should treat our National Anthem as one of the key symbols of the state. Okay, I take it uh, that you would uh, believe that it should be a a National Anthem for the 32 counties of Ireland despite the frustration that you have with Micheál Martin and Fianna Fáil being a 26 county party. Well, I mean, we're currently in discussions with the STLP and others in relation. Yeah, but that's what got you sacked. (laughs) Well, that was (laughs) one of the issues uh, in relation to the reassignment of roles. And I suppose when you see Theresa May talking about the issue of uh, the Brexit vote leading to a a referendum Mm. uh, on United Ireland, that's an issue for another day. And it's part of a previous report that I wrote on on behalf of the Joint Committee on the Implementation of the Good Friday Agreement about Brexit and the future of Ireland, uniting Ireland in peace and its people in peace and prosperity, that one of the consequences of Brexit uh, could be a referendum in relation to unification. But the lesson Mm. of Brexit for all of us is this. You do not hold a referendum and then try to figure out the future of this island. You have to have long-term engagement with Mm -hmm. all sides on all issues, including... Uh, uh, issues such as uh, national anthems and emblems and then and only then should you have the referendum because you do not uh, want a situation like we see over in England where they held a referendum without any plan. Okay, what and, about Sorka McInesby for the future? Can I ask you about Sorka McInesby though because uh, yourself and Amy O'Keeve uh, tried to launch her as a, a Fianna Fáil candidate and both of you have uh, been reassigned if you like or sanctioned as uh, some might uh, say. Uh, does she still wish to join the party uh, and uh, is there uh, an appetite within Fianna Fáil, do you think, uh, to uh, extend the brand north of the border? Well, I mean, we have num- numerous members north of the border. In fact, uh, she is not the only member of the party who is uh, who is a public representative in Northern Ireland. Uh, and we have a lot of members throughout the, the, the six counties and the vision for the party. And it was, in fact, passed at our own uh, Ardesh uh, five years ago in Kerry is that we would uh, be involved in the elections in the north because, obviously, we see the polarisation of politics in Northern Ireland between the DUP and Sinn Féin uh, and uh, politics and what we all want to see in all parts of this island is a politics that works for the people on the ground practically mm. in terms of health and education and housing. The bread and butter issue is that we all uh, need to have resolved to ensure that everybody has the, the quality of life and the future that they would all like to see for themselves and their children. And I think Fianna Fáil's vision of how to get things done can be a part of that in terms of getting not only the institutions and Stormont up and running, but the challenges of Brexit are so enormous and the vote today is so important for the future of everybody on this island that we need to make sure that you know politics mm. works north and south of the border. Patrick O'Bain was suggesting that he's made more progress in attracting people to a new All-Ireland party in the last couple of months than Fianna Fáil has in the last couple of decades. 
we've been at it for a long time and we have had a vision in relation to the whole island that we believe that people will will follow in terms of how to make sure that the peace process is maintained and that the vision that we have on how to improve the quality of life for everybody is achieved and we will sustain that that is not the effort of a few months that's an effort of decades and indeed lifetimes by many members of the party uh, both elected and those members in north and south and i think we will continue to work for the betterment of everybody on this island all right listen thank you for joining us uh, this morning and that's finnafall senator mark daly Michael, Michael Reed on LMFM. Now let's find out what you've been saying to us. Marie Kearns uh, joins us with some of the calls and text messages that have been coming to us this morning. Good morning to you, Marie. Good morning, Michael, and it's all about Brexit um, so far this morning, mainly. Grania was in touch to say, I'm listening to your interview on Brexit with the journalist, and she says that the government doesn't want to show its hand or pass through the legislation needed too quickly in order to give Theresa May more time possibly to get her deal through. But how much time does she need? Has she not had enough? How much time can we give her? It's not looking good for Ireland. Everybody is saying it. So we need to be prepared. Mm. Okay. Eileen from Trim phoned in and says, Michael, this talk of shortages in relation to medicines is really worrying. Is this a likely scenario or is it the media overreacting? Well, I think there is uh, concern uh, about uh, a lot of things uh, and uh, the supply of 45 medicines in particular, I think, are, are, are in question. Uh, that's the big problem in the UK, as your guest rightly says. Labour is also split on Brexit, so Jeremy Corbyn may not want a general election, even though he's making threats about it. And that could work in Theresa May's favour, could it not, mm. says another listener. Fran text in, Britain is Ireland's breadline, so the Irish will want to watch which fence they jump. We certainly will. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael, Seamus from Dundalk. Am I the only one aghast that our government is so ill-prepared for an no-deal Brexit? Many of us thought this would be the likely outcome all along, but yet the government has nothing in place, it seems, and now has to rush through legislation. It beggars belief, says Seamus, who thinks it's not a good idea for any legislation to be rushed in because you haven't really time to examine it properly. All right. Well, I'm not sure that that is the case. And I mean, I'm not sure in that uh, I don't think that anything that is happening is coming as more of a surprise uh, to the government uh, than it is uh, to others. And I'm sure there's been uh, a lot of behind uh, the scenes preparations, obviously legislation needed in the event of uh, no deal Brexit Mm. can't happen until there's Brexit without a deal. Paddy phoned in and says that hopefully in the next two to three days we'll know exactly what is going to happen. We have this vote this evening and Mm. then Theresa May, I believe, has some time to come back with what her plan is. We need to have an end game here. Yeah, well, it seems as though we're close to the end game. Uh, We'll uh, be a little bit wiser going to bed tonight uh, than we are this morning. Uh, But all eyes on Westminster, uh, that uh, debate uh, will take place uh, at seven o'clock due to conclude 
around 9 o'clock with a, a number of votes uh, on uh, Theresa May's deal and uh, the amendments uh, that are being proposed, all the various options that other MPs are putting forward. Uh, the expectation is it'll be defeated and uh, then Theresa May will outline her next steps. But speaking of steps, let's talk about steps of a, a very different kind. Uh, some steps in Drogheda uh, that uh, come down from uh, the Cord Road to the North Strand and uh, the rubbish that has been discovered there by local Sinn Féin councillor Kenneth Flood. Good morning to you and thanks for joining us here on the programme this morning. Uh, we were talking with your colleague uh, Joanna Byrne a, a couple of weeks ago uh, about how the council has declined or refused, if you like, on safety grounds uh, to carry out uh, the rough sleeper count. Uh, so yourself and Joanna Byrne decided to do this when you came across this rubbish. Uh, good morning, Mike. And uh, yeah, that's correct. Um, we went out um, midnight till three a.m. Um, walking uh, the length of Drada, and you know, just off the beaten track, we came. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm across a whole lot of litter, which we reported to the council and raised at the following council meeting but on the steps from Cordo to the North Strand we are stopped in our tracks by the amount of litter dangerous mm. dumping glass and drug paraphernalia that was done on those steps which um, we photographed and reported to the council and thank you it was uh, cleaned up That's always well, the way though Yes <laughs> but it shouldn't always be the way mm. and when we spoke to locals and, and said what well, we'd come across and said that it'd been going to be cleaned up and so on they said as you just said but it's always like that mm. it happens all the time um, there is cleanups arranged by volunteers in the area there's mm. cleanups by the council but it ends back uh, the same way but that's it, just not acceptable well it, it probably makes little difference because most people are afraid to walk those steps and I don't blame them. As I said, uh, a lot of what we saw was very dangerous, mm. which is why I followed up by, by going to meet Loud County Council's operations department and explaining the severity of the situation. I know they're probably 
here is complaining about dumping month in and month out and they say they do what they can to tackle it, but they have to be aware of the severity of the problem on those deaths. And as you said, people being afraid to use them, you shouldn't be afraid to walk anywhere in at all, especially not on the steps there, which are a route that we should all be able to, to go well, down every it, single it, day. It's dark, it's isolated. As you say, there's drug paraphernalia there because people are taking drugs there, uh, needles or whatever it is, uh, and there's bottles because, uh, or broken glass because uh, be- people are, are drinking uh, out of bottles and the bottles end up broken. Uh, and they're the reason and for people being uh, afraid to walk those steps. Yeah, uh, that's what I want to stop. I want, mm. I want to end. I want to make sure, ensure that it, it's clean and safe for the people of Drogheda to enjoy it. They should be able to. Um, when myself and Deputy Munster walked there again yesterday, we're happy to see that um, the, the, what we had reported had been cleaned up. However, locals had told us that people were driving to the area to dump um, off those steps by the void, which is dangerous as well. Um, they said that they had reported it to Loud County Council, but they felt that, that, that the reports and their concerns were not being treated as seriously as they should be, which is why we followed up to ensure that the seriousness of the issue um, is given to, to Loud County Council and, and they react accordingly. And after meeting with operations, I've been assured that they have been and that the area will receive the, the, the attention that it really needs. All right. Uh, well, uh, I'm sure people would welcome that uh, if it was uh, to happen. Uh, but uh, what can you tell us uh, about uh, what else happened on that night? Because you're out trying to ascertain how many people were sleeping rough in the town. Yeah, as you know, the the council's definition of a rough sleeper is very narrow. Um, you do not count somebody in a squat or somebody just off uh, the road in a shed. Um, um, every year the return is zero count, which we always argue with them all because we know there is rough sleepers in Drada. And so with um, a member of, of Drada Cares for the Homeless and with a paramedic um, from the the, 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 uh, sorry, the Boys Fisherman's River Rescue and mm. um, who volunteered to come with us, uh, we walked the town from Mel Car Park down to Donner's Green and walking all the lanes in between. Um, we did find rough sleepers um, on the street who, who we spoke to um, and they indicated that he didn't want to engage with us um, on that night. But we were able to record a rough sleeper. But also what we came about is off every main street, in every lane mm-hmm. and every byway was rubbish and litter absolutely everywhere. Mm. There was lanes in the town where there was bags left um, because there's not adequate street lighting so people can leave them there, go off. There were attracting rats. As I said, the council meeting, I was going to be terrified of rats. So somebody goes, hey, look, um, uh, the volunteer member that was with us goes, all the rats in those bags there, you know, I just want to get the hell away from that. Report to the council, get it picked up and, and hopefully somebody uh, gets a fine out of it and mm. it, it stopped happening again. Yeah, it's beyond belief. Uh, you uh, didn't get a, a handle on or have an estimate of how many people were sleeping rough? Sleeping rough? Um, as I said, by the council's definition, mm-hmm. we came across one. Just one, okay. On, on the street. Mm. But we, not, we're, we were in places where there was people sleeping rough, but not exactly on the street. I know what you mean, in squats and so on. 
Yeah, yeah. All right. All right, listen, thanks uh, for that uh, and for joining us uh, this morning. Sinn Féin Councillor in Louth, Kenneth Flood. Now, let's go back uh, to some more of your comments. What else have you got there, Marie? Yes, Michael, on the national anthem, Geraldine phoned in to say that she agrees with Senator Daly that there's no way our national anthem should be used for commercial reasons in adverts. She says it's our national anthem and it should be respected. She also says what annoys her is that um, it was always the case that the national anthem was played at the end of events, even small local events years ago. But she says that that seems to be fading out and she thinks it's disappointing that this is happening. There was always a sense of pride and unity when people stood up at the end of the night for the national mm-hmm. anthem. Indeed. Liz phoned in on the same topic to say that she remembers learning the national anthem in school in both English and Irish and that she loves to see it played at the beginning of big sporting events in Ireland. She says it's no way should it be allowed to be used in advertising. Mm-hmm. So that's a couple okay. on those. Right. Just on the nurses' mm-hmm. strike, if I can go to a caller that we got yesterday, um, James from Balbriggan uh, phoned in to say that both parents were in the Beaumont Hospital over the weekend from asthma attacks. He says there were no beds. My mother was on a chair. My dad was on a trolley. Disgraceful the way they are treating Irish people. Uh, the parents are 75 and 76 and fears that the government should be ashamed of themselves. He said just from observation, the staff were run ragged, as he describes it, and not fair how the staff are being treated. I don't support any strike, but the nurses and doctors need to be looked after. They have to be looked after. Okay. All so right. that was well, his thoughts yeah, on No it. doubt it's a, a very hard job, regardless uh, of how busy the hospitals are, and some hospitals busier than others. Uh, remarkable to see uh, that Our Lady of Lourdes these days is one of the best performing hospitals right. that there is a, a, in the country. All right. Have we time for mm-hmm. one more? Very quickly, this is yeah. on the nurses as well. An email that came in from Therese who says, I'm sick of hearing about shortage of nurses as being related to poor pay and conditions. Nursing used to be considered a vocation and for a certain type of ca- caring person. But now it's all about degrees and getting as much money as possible for the least amount of work and hours. How many newly trained nurses have actually left the country to do the same work abroad? Many are leaving nursing entirely because it turned out not to be what they thought and find they are completely unsuited to it. If a more rigorous interview and education process was introduced, as in the past, we would not be losing so many. Many young professionals in various fields do not get the big money and uh, good conditions they hope for and expect when they enter a profession and either leave or stick with it without all this nonsense and whining that is exclusive to nurses. Oh dear. So not much sympathy there, Michael. Strong feelings. All right, thanks for that, Therese. Thanks, uh, Marie, for that matter and everybody who has been in touch with us. If you'd like to add to what's being said, Marie and Maggie are taking calls today and as usual, our telephone number is 1850 Michael, Michael Reed, Reed on, on LMFM. Mayday, D-Day or No Way Day. We'll talk about uh, Brexit uh, now with Paddy Malone of uh, the Chamber of Commerce in Dundalk. Paddy is the PRO for the Chamber. Good morning to you, Paddy, and thanks uh, for Good joining morning, us as always. Undoubtedly, you'll be watching what happens in Westminster closer than most of us uh, this evening. But before we talk about that, uh, let's talk about uh, the plans uh, for developing this country up to 2040. You're to hold uh, a meeting on Monday about uh, the regional aspect
aspect of this, which would see an M1 link uh, which would run from Drogheda through Dundalk up to Newry. But I, I gather that if uh, we've no deal, uh, that this could be called into question in itself. Well, you've got to plan on the basis of a long-term plan and uh, a long-term strategy. And what the uh, various reports that have said over the last couple of years, other than the original report from the International Development Plan, which didn't make sense, but it ignored the whole northern half of the county, um, is that Dublin, Belfast is the key to what's going on on the island of Ireland. Um, now, we are coming at it from the point of view of the 2040 plan, and we're looking at where strategic growth. Now, the Dundalk Chamber, along with Louth County Council, were the only two organisations that canvassed strongly for this linear corridor coming from Drawda to Dundalk and into Newry. Um, and we were successful in that it has given the preeminent place within the 2040 plan. Now, that's a win. But my worry is that there are 12 local authorities in the eastern region, from Wicklow through Dublin, which is three or four, including Dunleary, and then on into Longford, Westmeath, and all the rest of it, mm. that that plan will be diluted, and that the region, and that region stretches from Dundalk right down to Swords, effectively, but effectively, Dundalk, Drawda being the spine of it, will lose out. Now, it's not a case that others will win and we lose. It's just a lose-lose situation if we're not very careful. And therefore, it's important that we get Meath County Council and Fingal and all the rest of them to understand exactly what we're talking about, that there is huge potential in the region. Technically, as far as Louth is concerned, and that's the bit that we're concerned about, broader than dark, but from swords... Dublin is already suffocating. We all know that. You do programmes on rent and on the number of people commuting in on a daily basis into Dublin on the M1, the M2 and M3. It's over 88,000 people commuting in on a daily basis. Wouldn't it be far better if those jobs and the infrastructure was created in the locality so that they didn't have to move? Okay, but the infrastructure obviously uh, required as part of that. This, this is what you'll be discussing on Monday. I know you want to invite people along. It's at half six in the County Museum in, in, in Dundalk. Um, uh, so it's where the Dundalk, F, the Dundalk FC exhibition was on last year. A lot of people will have probably found the museum for the first time when they went to have a look at that, mm-hmm. but it's the same location. Okay. Um, so, yes, it's in Jocelyn Street. We really would like as many members of the public or local organisations who have an interest in what's going to happen in the next 20 years to come along and listen. Um, Louth County Council, I've just got to say, mm. they played a storming game. We had a big win, but we have to make sure that it's the 89th minute, as I said to somebody else, and that they, uh, we don't give away a penalty by not politically following mm. this thing up properly. OK, don't mind what's going to happen in the next 20 years. What about what's going to happen in the next 24 hours? Uh, Your guess is as good as mine. <laughs> you, you may be preparing uh, what you're going to say on Monday, but that may change overnight. Uh, and uh, I think you were expecting uh, that this whole Brexit thing would be put on hold, uh, delayed, that Article 50 would be extended for some period of time. Uh, a lot has changed, I think, since we last spoke to you. And I think the unclear situation has become even muddier. I, I would agree 100%. Um, and I think watching the programmes last night and this morning on TV, first of all, there was this feeling of, well, has anything changed? My wife looked at me and said, you've been watching that programme for the last hour every, and, and for the last year, and has anything changed? And I said, not, not really a huge amount. Um, there is no clear vision 
from any side within the UK as to where they want to go. Um, and that's the scary bit for business. If we knew with certainty we could plan, and that's what we've been screaming out for. Like Intertrade and the Leo office and Thomas McAvoy in, in, in Dundalk and also Enterprise Ireland, they have been giving grants where encouraging people to sit down and plan. And very often as an accountant, when I sit down and talk to clients of mine or talk to members of the chamber, and we say, we want to plan for Brexit. And they look at me and say, how can you plan for something that is so unstable? Mm. And that's the problem. And from a local point of view, it's the currency fluctuation. It's the drop in sterling. Uh, as I've said to you a dozen times, we can live with sterling falling gradually in this region. We can't live with certain shifts because that immediately encourages people to shop in the north. Now, we've not. Christmas was very good. Mm, mm. Uh, it was one of the better Christmases that we've had in the dock. Um, and I'm glad to say that, in a way, the fact that I wasn't getting phone calls from national papers asking me how bad was it was a clear indication that it wasn't bad. It was quite good. Mm. We sold more uh, shop local vouchers than any year before now, 700,000. So where's Brexit? We don't know. All we can do is say you've got to plan as best you can to reduce the risks that you that you have, uh, uh, and and the likelihood is uh, that we're going to see uh, some fluctuation in uh, the currency, uh, and that we could be going through parity, uh, and we could be looking at. Uh, I forgive you. <laughs> well, do you not think so? I think it's I think it's possible, you know, and and it's because of the uncertainty. It's you know the problem what you have with uncertainty mm. is that currency traders and speculators and people who really are parasites, uh, in, including bankers, will actually manipulate the market to their own advantage. We saw that 20 years ago with the Greek guy, I can't remember his name, making something like £20 billion out of sterling dropping out of the ERM. Um, that's the problem we have, and it's a lack of leadership that's, that's there. I'm hoping that after the vote today, there's no question whether it's going to be defeated now at this stage. I'm hoping that the UK government will and plan B be to apply for an extension of the uh, of Article 50 and at least well, it's, it's kicking the can down the road but it's it? better I mean, than a, a crash out. I mean it's uh, the scale of the defeat that people are wondering about uh, this morning and possibly as many as 200 MPs voting uh, against uh, the draft withdrawal agreement and then Mrs May will outline the next step. She's come back within three working days uh, and yeah. come forward with a, a plan B uh, but are, are you concerned uh, about some of the smaller things uh, maybe not uh, as much uh, but uh, uh, concerned about them nonetheless to, uh, the, the, uh, as the bigger things I mean we're talking about uh, Simon Harris uh, who's uh, talking about introducing minimum alcohol pricing here uh, perhaps before they do it in the north uh, something like uh, the Belfast Enterprise, Belfast to Dublin Enterprise train may stop, uh, and undoubtedly that would have a, an impact on people coming to Dock, uh, Dundalk, Dundalk, I beg your pardon, uh, and then there's the currency situation. Yeah, all of those things, they are the practical things that the Chamber try and deal with on a daily basis. That's why I'm saying that intertrade and others are so important, that we deal with them, the, 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 the smaller issues which are of major concern to people living on the, living on the border. So, you know, you mentioned Simon Harris uh, on that. There's the questions of medicines. There's the question of, mm. I was at a Newry Dundalk, or Newry Louth County Council briefing on the healthcare system in, in the north, relying on GPs for locum services from the south to go into the north, question mark. There's the question about Daisy Hill and where, where 
accessibility from people living in O'Meath and Carlingford who consider Daisy Hill their local hospital. Mm. So, you know, that, that's the problem with Brexit. Every time I pick it up and look at it, it's like an onion. There's another, yet another layer to be peeled away. Another whole raft of questions which people in, the, in, in, in Louth and in Newry and Mourne and in Armagh face on a, on a regular basis. And it's the, that's the worry. And that, you're that, hoping that has that... to be addressed. That those issues have to be addressed. Now, the government have put money aside and they have actually indicated, but even on the money aside, they've put it into the agribusiness and they've put it into some manufacturing. I mean, we've been saying you need to put it into retail and you need to put it into other areas. And the government is saying, well, we can't do that because of EU regulations. Mm. Well, you know, I, I even said it to Andy Kenny when he was Taoiseach, look, do it and ask for forgiveness afterwards, but don't sit around doing nothing. And, and that's what we would like to see. The government actually taking initiatives or saying what, what it will do. Now, I know it's been in a situation where it's got to say, well, w- we believe there will be an agreement and everything else. We're now getting down to two months. You know, we need to at least address this whole question of the volatility of sterling, which is the big worry that the retailers would have here in the dock. All right. And you're hoping that Article 50 will be extended. In other I words, think, that they'll yeah, pause yeah. the process. But for how long? I mean, is there any point to it in the first place? Uh, and then you have other concerns, such as uh, the elections coming up in May. Yeah, well, I think you've got a couple of things. One is, if you pause the, 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 the uh, Article 50, that kicks the can down the road. It doesn't solve the problem, but it might give people a bit more time to address the issues. I think Theresa May was too quick in pressing the, uh, triggering the, the thing in the first place. I don't think enough groundwork had been done. I think Davis's comment that he could sort Northern Ireland in, uh, over a cup of tea in the space of an hour showed just how ill-prepared and ill-thought-out the whole situation was. So we, we, we've lived with that error. What we need to do is pause and make sure we do it. But, I mean, the European elections raises a huge question. Britain will not be participating in that, if the, even if Article 50 is triggered. So you're going to have a parliament going back in June, minus um, uh, UK MEPs. Um, does, that, does that weaken their position? Does that weaken them getting the, their message and their concerns across? It does. Um, you have a prime minister that, you know, at this stage, I think it's, it's difficult to believe that she has the capacity to deliver. Um, so, you know, Article 50 and, and where we are is very, very difficult. I think the government have been right to date in keeping the lines that they have, but I think we are now getting so close to the deadlines that this emergency legislation and everything else has to be put through. Hopefully it won't be needed, but I think being realistic about it, the best we can hope for now at this stage is an extension of Article 50. Um, but we need to get the, the UK people to realise that this has got to be addressed properly. Um, I think one of the programmes I watched last week was the Channel 4 on Civil War, I think it showed the amount of downright lies that had been sold by the by the Leave campaign, um, the false innuendos and everything else that had been done. Um, you would have to put a serious question mark over the whole thing. So maybe a second referendum long term, but to do that, Article 50 needs to be extended for at least 12 months, if not longer. All right, we'll find out a little bit more, be a little bit wiser uh, when uh, the vote I think it'll be Monday we're, we're looking at when, when she has to go back with, the, with mm-hmm. the plan within three working days. So that is Monday. And I think we have a better idea where we're going. At that stage, the possibility is that if the plan doesn't make sense, she'll then be challenged um, either directly or indirectly. I mean, theoretically, the Conservative Party can't challenge her because she won the vote. 
but that doesn't stop the men in the grey coats going into Tyrone to leave. Okay, but uh, I think people on the other hand uh, will be hoping that she'll give some indication of what she is planning after the vote is defeated this evening. Yeah. But we'll leave it there for the moment, Paddy. Thanks as always. Thanks very much. Paddy Malone, Piero for Dundalk's Chamber of Commerce. Michael, Michael Reed on, on LMFM. Now, house prices nationally rose by 4.6% in uh, the course of uh, the last year. This is according to a survey of uh, the members of uh, the Real Estate Alliance. It's now €249,000 or thereabouts for a three-bed semi in this country. In County Mead, it's around €246,000, which is a 3.4% increase. In County Louth, €210,000, which is an increase of 5% in the course of the last 12 months. Dorina Collins who's a director of OREA O'Brien Collins Estate Agents which is a member of the Real Estate Alliance joins us now and a very good morning to you and thanks for coming in to us uh, this morning. Uh, the increases are uh, significant I suppose in their own right uh, but not as significant as perhaps they have been in years up to now. Good morning Michael and thank you for having me in. Yeah they, they are significant uh, but it has slowed. There's, they are still increasing. That's the um, the interesting point, but at a more moderate rate. And I think that's good news for everybody that the market is um, it's balancing out at the moment. Now, we would have noticed uh, a, a stronger increase at the beginning of the year last year. I'm talking about mm. 2018 now. Um, and then towards the last quarter, say from, you know, uh, September onwards, there was more of a flat lining. The prices weren't increasing and um, the, it was sort of steady as she goes. And from our point of view, we would be predicting that uh, going forward, the market will be active, but that there won't be the, cre- the increases we've seen over the last number of years, maybe a small increase, 2% of the, the order of that. Okay. Now, obviously, mm-hmm. there are pockets that it will differ and mm. um, some the, the basic um, premise that we've based our survey on was the three-bed semi. And that's the, it's a good guideline for what's happening because that market is the starter market mm. and everything moves upwards from there. And, and County Loud, it would seem very competitive relative uh, to that national average uh, and far below the average cost in, in County Mead. But that figure of 210,000 is the average for a, a county that differs in its makeup and infrastructure uh, to a, a large degree. So like any average, there's variables. And I take it that it's more expensive in parts of County Loud than it is in others. Oh, absolutely. And the same, of course, would go for mm. Mead as, as course, well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the further away you get from the capital, basically, the the less expensive the properties. And obviously, in- infrastructure has a bearing on it. The likes of Drogheda and Dundalk are on the main line rail. They are commuter towns. And yet, you will even notice a difference in prices, say, from South Drogheda around mm. Bettystown, Laytown area, um, which is Meath, obviously, and Mm -hmm. then northwards up to Dundalk, that there is a variable, a standard three-bed semi in Dundalk might be 210 plus, uh, in Drogheda be 230 plus. Okay, and uh, That's second-hand, second-hand Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, as you're based in Drogheda, undoubtedely uh, you're uh, seeing uh, the uh, t- towns that straddle the border like Betty's Town and Dulik uh, and so on you're dealing with uh, both counties in, in that sense we are we are yes uh, are, are they perceived differently 
Um, no, but they they are perceived differently in the fact that the, their proximity to Dublin mm. is is obviously they're much nearer or they are nearer. But um, they we would say that you cross the Boyne, it's you're heading into North loud and mm. from there on you know but Bettystown and Laytown are always popular particularly with the, with the first time buyers in, and we find a Dublin market coming out mm-hmm. And uh, again like Drogheda they're on the train line which they're is on the train line a, a absolutely point, yeah. and there's mm-hmm. a good bus mm-hmm. service and they have the infrastructure basically mm. And Drogheda of course has uh, been in the news for all of the wrong reasons uh, has that had uh, any impact on sales? Uh, well, it, it, it has raised questions. Uh, impact on sales? No, I don't think so. I mean, Drogheda has a good reputation and I think, you know, obviously there's there's interest in what had, mm. what had been going on. But I, I think that it, the general perception is that it's a contained, it's, it's one-off scenario and that it will, it hasn't impacted, not as far as we can see anyway, other than it being raised as questions and which we can... What type of questions? Are, are people asking if they'll be petrol bombed in certain areas or that type of thing? No, more, more. it's more in, in the line of, oh, we hear that, you know, Drod is this, that and the other is mm. making the news for the wrong reasons and all the rest of it. Um, and really it would be jocosely that if somebody's asking you that kind of uh, question. Most of our market in, in, the, in the Loud and North Drogheda area would be more local. Mm-hmm. And they understand what's going on, or if maybe they don't understand what's going on, but they realise that it's it's a, not a, an overall scenario; that it's a one-off scenario that's being dealt with and contained. Okay. Well, uh, the cost of housing is quite often determined. Uh, I think people say uh, based on supply and uh, demand. Uh, if uh, there's more demand than there is a supply, you can get more for the property. That, that's true, uh, and that seems to be. Uh, the case uh, in County Meath, uh, the increase in County Loud was 5%, which is more in line with the national average increase than it was in County Meath, where it was 3.4% over the course of the last year. And they're putting that down to the last quarter of 2018, which saw an increase in the supply of houses. Uh, and you're suggesting, I think, that there could be more accommodation supplied to people if uh, there was a look at existing buildings over shops and that type of thing in town centres? Oh, well, yes. First of all, yes, obviously the supply, there, there is a, finally new home schemes are coming on stream, which is great. And obviously the ones nearer to Dublin and the builders are working out as the prices and affordability and the viability from a developer's point of view. But we would uh, we would also see that there's a huge opportunity within the, um, the confines of existing towns and uh, villages around the area that uh, there is empty accommodation over shops. Now, Mm. Michael, this has been discussed in lots of forums. Mm -hmm. We realise that. But the fact is that the the town centres are ripe for development. And that any, if you introduced, we feel if you introduced a residential element to the, made the, uh, the accommodation over shops to, be available as as apartments, mm-hmm. um, you know, that you would certainly get a take up on that, particularly maybe from the older cohort of people that are looking to trade down, mm-hmm. that want to be close to amenities, mm-hmm. that don't want to have to drive out to the country every evening and back in again, and that that in turn would stimulate the commercial life in, in the town. 
So uh, we would, I mean, obviously it would need to be incentivized at the moment, the building regulations and all the very necessary requirements for refurbishment are, are quite onerous and co- they're not cost effective. But mm. if it was incentivized or if there were tax breaks for refurbishing existing town properties, I think you'd have a huge take up on it. OK, but the supply could be increased quite quickly. Quite quickly, mm. quite quickly. But okay. it is mm-hmm. there is a cost issue around it, and that that would have to mm. be addressed. All right, we've spent the morning talking about Brexit, as I think we've uh, done over the course of uh, the last couple of years. Uh, will you be watching what happens in Westminster tonight? Uh, well, I think if even just for out of sheer curiosity, mm. I mean there has been uncertainty in every regard, I mean, I, uh, uh, with what the effect of it is going to be. Um, but we would we would have seen it maybe up around the border area, you know, where like if if Stirling Falls and the affordability level and our colleagues down in the south and west of Ireland have noticed uh, a reluctance to invest that wasn't there before for, say, the holiday homes and that mm. from people coming over or returning immigrants from the UK. But I, I suppose in general, the market demand is there and once we get over today and the 29th of March mm. uh, and things become clearer as to where we're going, I think that the market is strong enough to keep going mm. and uh, it will have a, some impact, I'm sure, because it will on the general economy and maybe that will feed through over the next coming years. But at the moment, we're sort of seeing a market that there's enough demand there to keep us going. Okay, I say though that uh, some people are, are delaying buying some of the more expensive properties. Yes, and that, that's particularly true. I think in the more in the Dublin area, in the really high end, mm. um, anything over the five hundred, five fifty mark, in you know, in the Dublin area, has slowed slowed down and um, once you get to a million and, and that yeah. that's rarefied air we don't have very many yeah, properties like not, that down here not many of us would have to worry about n- it but n- it, no, it, it, it tells us a, a little bit about the concern that there is yes. uh, about the uncertainty for those of us uh, who live uh, in uh, the ordinary world uh, where we don't aspire to such prices uh, but we might hope to get it as much as possible if we are selling uh, how do you do that uh, I mean when you talk about these average prices uh, even within the variables there's variables, no doubt, so that if you're living on the same street, you might get more for one house than the other. What advice would you have for people in terms yeah. of selling it to? Well, first of all, Michael, mm-hmm. I mean, most people will will uh, rate the value of their houses on what it has sold in their vicinity or in their neighbourhood recently. And we would always say to people that, and it's kind of cliche, mm. but that you need to you need to smarten up your house if you're putting it on the market. There are some very basic things a lick you of paint. can do. Mm. A lick of paint, paint your hall door, for example. Mm. First impressions, you only get one chance to make a first impression, you know. And uh, we would say to people, like, it's worth it. You could even mm. be talking about spending 2000 maybe just to give your house a little bit of a freshen up and a makeover. I mean, people say, oh, we can see through that. Mm. You know what? They can, but they don't. They like it. You know, mm, if you've got mm, an impact, after appealing. all, if yeah, you're if mm. you're buying a, a home, mm, particularly yeah. rather than say an investment property, but if you're buying a home, you want to get that feeling when mm. you walk in the door. You don't want to see, oh God, I'd have to do this, that, and the other, mm. and I'd need to paint that and. You know, so does the opposite apply? If you're looking for a bargain, if you're a shrewd buyer, should you be looking for somewhere that has a, a grubby looking front door? Absolutely. 
not only mm. Grubby Foot, but just someplace. And again, it's 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 the other side of the coin because you know if you go into a house that needs a bit of work to do, you probably aren't going. Mm. You you won't be up against the competition in buying it. It won't be bid up in as much. And certainly, if you're looking at finding a bargain, you need to go to uh, look at a property that needs work doing to it. Mm-hmm. That's really it, because you can add value at that point. Whether you do the work yourself or get somebody else to do it. Either way, mm. either way. And we have seen cases of it, believe you me, where, I mean, you could add up to, say, on a, on a, on a three-bed semi, mm. you could add, it could be the difference of 10,000 by spending maybe two, two or three, just getting in somebody to paint it up oh, for right. you and mm-hmm. to freshen it up. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the garden get... is important, believe it okay, or not. Okay, is it, right? Yes, okay. yes, the mm-hmm. garden is important. I mean, mm. it sort of says the house hasn't been looked after if the garden is to- totally overgrown and neglected. Mm. And this is these are little things that you yeah. can do. Uh, they're time consuming maybe but mm. they're worth it and I, I guess that's a, a job nobody wants to do everybody wants to move into a pristine house uh, well, but a lot of it comes down to affordability and even if you can afford it now you may not be able to uh, afford it in future and of course that's something that you need to look at uh, perhaps uh, with uh, your mortgage provider or your financial advisor because uh, mortgage rates can change and yes, undoubtedly absolutely. will increase over time uh, the big discussion at the moment is property tax uh, because we're looking at a, a review and uh, there's talk of an increase in property taxes. Is that a, a factor that determines uh, people's... I, I don't think that has... Uh, it, it, so far, mm-hmm. that hasn't impacted. Now, it, it will do. I mean, people have paid their property tax since 2013 and the values have remained... The, the bans have remained more or less the same. So I don't think at the moment, mm. but I think as it hits the news with the review coming up and all the rest of it, yes, people will be taking it into account. And certainly, again, with the very high end prices, which you might have down mm. around the city and that sort of thing, we can already see it's impacting on the news and all the mm-hmm. rest of it. So, yeah, eventually, yes, I think that will have, have a bearing, but not at the moment. OK, property tax, I think, was one of the austerity measures that came in at yes. The time that the bottom fell out of uh, the market, and we'll all remember right. the crash, uh, unfortunately. Uh, but has it normalised? Have we returned to normal? Um, yes, I think we have. We've we've got a much more steady market. People are a lot more savvy about the property market. I mean, certainly everybody has an opinion, mm. and everybody uh, does their research when they're buying or when they're selling. Indeed, so you know, I think. Um, it's the, from the point of view of uh, a buying and selling normality, yes, that has returned to the market. Okay. I mean, we are now yeah. selling uh, by selling houses subject to the sale of another house. Now, okay. that didn't happen mm. for about five years. You really would not agree a sale on the basis that the, the purchaser had to sell their own house. Now we're back into that. So, okay. I mean, that mm. has its own issues as well because mm-hmm. you end up in a chain. But by by and large, you can buy and sell and move on. So the market is moving. Good stuff. We'll leave it there. And thank you indeed uh, for coming in to us uh, this morning. Thank you. Collins is uh, Director of OREA O'Brien Collins Estate Agents based in Drogheda. 
Time now, as is usual, around this time on a Tuesday for our weekly visit to the Garda Crime Desk. As usual, there's a number of incidents Garda you're investigating locally and perhaps you can assist with those investigations. Garda No Loughran of uh, Drogheda Station joins us for the report this week and we begin in Slane where Garda are investigating a burglary. Yes, uh, Slane Garda investigating a break into a house in the area on Friday last January the 11th. Sometime after 5pm, a house was broken into in the Hill of Slane area in Slane Village. Uh, a single barrel shotgun was stolen during this break-in and local guardy are anxious to identify the culprits involved and to recover the shotgun in this case. Anyone with any information or saw any suspicious activity in the Hill of Slane area on Friday last is asked to contact Slane Guard Station. OK, we go to Dundalk uh, where you have a reporter of a robbery. Yes, Dundalk RD are seeking witnesses to a robbery in the town in the early hours of Friday last January 11th. At just after midnight, a woman was walking on Park Street in Dundalk when she was approached by a man. This man stopped her and threatened her and demanded her handbag from her. Um, she believed that he was carrying a knife. The man is described as being in his 20s with dark hair. He was wearing a grey scarf and runners. He was on foot and he fled in the direction of Anne Street. Um, there would have been people out socialising around this time and anyone who may have been uh, of any information regarding this incident is asked to contact on Dark Guard Station. T- to Delique, uh, unusual uh, kind of report uh, this one, uh, but some questionable graffiti, I take it. Yes, Delique Gardy are seeking witnesses to two acts of criminal damage in Delique Village, which occurred on Friday night, Saturday morning last January the 11th. Uh, sometime between 8pm on Friday and 8am on Saturday morning, extensive graffiti damage uh, was discovered on the sidewall of Delete Credit Union on the main street in the village. Uh, another property on Main Street also had graffiti damage on the sidewall and the fence of its property. And a local guardie are looking to speak to anyone who may have any information regarding this damage to contact them at Delete Garda Station. Uh, robbery from a, a person in Dundalk to report on next. Yes, Dundalk guardie are looking to identify two men involved in a robbery from another man outside of town on Sunday evening last January 13th. It happened on a laneway in Pierce Park at just after 7pm on Sunday evening. Two men assaulted another man and stole his wallet and his bicycle. Uh, it's believed that a knife may also have been produced during this crime. One of the assailants is described as having a local accent and wearing a black jacket with a furry collar. The second is described as wearing a black jacket and he spoke with a northern accent. Uh, anyone who is in the Pierce Park area on Sunday evening last and may have noticed these two individuals is asked to contact the Dock Garda Station. Now, uh, we'll talk about uh, the people in our day next. Uh, as uh, everyone knows, uh, the town is reeling following on from that terrible murder next week, but there's been a great level of cooperation with Garda. Absolutely, yes. Yeah, as, we, as we now know, a man has been charged and remanded in custody in relation to the murder of Elzbieta Petrovsky in RD on Tuesday last, January 8th. Investigating uh, Gardaí would like to acknowledge and thank the community of RD for their assistance with their investigation and particularly the local Polish community in RD. Uh, investigating Gardaí are not looking for anyone else in relation to this incident. However, they are, are, they are asking for those who are in the Hale Street, Clonmore and Drogheda Road area of the town on Tuesday morning last between 6am and 11am who have not maybe already come forward and may have saw anything suspicious to contact him at Ardy Garda Station. OK, we'll go back uh, to Dundalk uh, and uh, an incident that caused some concern yesterday morning. Yes, Dundalk Ardy are seeking help in identifying the occupants of a car 
involved in a case of endangerment of traffic in the town yesterday morning. At around 10.30 yesterday morning, January 14th, a man was walking by the Malt House on the Dublin Road in Dundalk. A car crossed the road, mounted the footpath and drove at speed at him. Uh, this car knocked him down and he was brought by ambulance to hospital, hospital with serious injuries. Uh, the car left the scene and drove away in the direction of Dundalk Town. It broke the lights on Hill Street and it turned right down the Avenue Road. Uh, this car is described as being a small black hatchback. Anyone with any information regarding this car or who may have witnessed this offence at around 10.30 yesterday morning on the Dublin Road in Dundalk is asked to contact Dundalk Station. OK, shocking. Uh, another shocking report uh, to conclude with. Uh, we stay in Dundalk uh, and this is uh, a robbery uh, and an assault. Yes, um, Dundalk already investigating following an assault and robbery in the area, area this morning. Uh, at just after 6am this morning, a man was attacked with a hatchet by another man in the Glenwood Estate on the Dublin Road in Dundalk. He was injured in the attack and had to be taken away by ambulance from the scene. Uh, he also had his mobile phone and keys stolen from him. Again, anyone who's in the Glenwood or Dublin Road area of Dundalk this morning and may have information relating to this crime is asked to contact Dundalk Garda Station. And for this or any other crime mentioned today, Garda can also be contacted on our confidential line, which is 1-800-666-1. Thank you indeed. Garda Noel Lochran of uh, Drogheda Garda Station and we'll return to the Garda Crime Desk in around the same time on next Tuesday's programme. Now in uh, the little time that we have left. I don't think we have much time uh, at all, uh, but uh, let's use it uh, to hear some more comments from you, Marie. Peter from Drogheda was in touch just to say that it's bizarre to think that the Enterprise train should be affected if the EU exits, if the UK exits the EU Mm. and thinks it would be a backward step. Okay. So that's his thoughts. Can you hear me? <laughs> I, I can barely hear you. You're off, Mike. Uh, but uh, we, I think, got Peter's comment uh, there. Uh, I think we leave it there because uh, I'm not sure there's some fault in the microphone, Marie. But uh, thanks for that. And thanks, Peter. And thanks to everybody who has been in touch. Uh, that has to be the final word on uh, the programme today because our time has run out on us. Remember, there'll be a podcast of today's programme available on our website, lmfm.ie, this afternoon. Thanks to Marie Kearns for producing, Maggie McGuire for researching, and Chris Murray in the control tower. I'm Michael. God willing, we'll see you for our next programme tomorrow morning at 9am right here on LMFM. Good morning. Bye-bye. The Michael Reed Show podcast. Tune in weekdays from 9 on LMFM. To contact us, email now. Michael at LMFM.ie Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.